0: Over and over again, Jesus uses this analogy of light. Light gives you the ability to see where you're going, and it allows you to overcome the darkness. Loving is a responsibility, and by this, people will know you're for real. They will know you're my authentic followers and not a fake Christian or plastic saint. This book is designed to entice you to not only receive Christ for yourself, but offer Christ to others so that believing in him, they might have life in his name.
1: Aloha, welcome. If you guys are new, welcome to the family. We're just so glad you guys are here joining us. We're getting through the book of John. Easter's a couple weeks away. Uh, but before we get into the word this morning, just. um. Yeah, been a, it's been a really blessed week. I just want to kind of soak in this for a little bit. Our youth, we had 10 kids go up to camp, and uh, just the way that kids were soaking in the Word and just like receiving the message and just feeling like deep seeds being planted in them was amazing. Um, and our kid, like our youth, the ones, the you know, the core youth that we have right now are just amazing young men and women and uh, it's just been a blessing to see them pursue Christ. So anyway, thank you guys for praying for camp. Many of you guys were praying for them. So, thank you, those who supported camp. Um, we had generous people. Make sure that all the kids went and didn't have to pay a dime this year. Amen. So just grateful for you, Church Ohana, like you guys just kind of shepherding our youth into that. Um, and we also uh, had the hymn conference. Right after that, we went to the hymn conference. A bunch of us did. And God just kind of blew, blew us away with just the word that he's speaking I just want to encourage, man, if you're just in a place in your faith where you just feel like, um, like God, where are you? And are you actually doing stuff? Or is, is this it for me in my life? Is this it for the world? Um, I just want to encourage you. He is a living and active God. As Jesus said himself, my father doesn't stop working. <laughs> Amen? So God is moving, and I want to pray that this morning we'd have the eyes and the ears to hear what God is doing just in our community, through Kailua, Oahu, and all over. Um, but I'm encouraged that God is just on the move, and it's so beautiful just to hear testimonies about what He's up to. But first, I have to share about a little bit of background um, about me. So, um, for many of you guys know, I didn't—I um, was born on a different island in the Pacific. Not this one is called Vancouver Island, um, which is a lot colder island. Um, and I have a picture of me and my brothers when we were really young. It's at Christmas time, and uh, I'm the one in the middle. Uh, with like the bowl cut, thanks, mom and dad. So um, you wonder why I'm growing up my hair now. Like I'm just trying to. This is my rebellious stage. But I want to tell you about this thing. There's an experience that I think a lot of us have when we're kids, and this was about the age when I remember doing it. Um, I was like six or seven, and when life wasn't going my way, I would just pack my bags and just leave. Anybody ever left, just moved out at like at a very young age? Okay, nobody else ran away from home. Okay, a couple of you guys, good. I was just like, this isn't it. Like parents, brothers don't need this. I'm better on my own. And I remember we lived on a cul-de-sac. So we'd go down the street. I'd I'd walk to the end of the street with my little backpack. And my parents hopefully knew where I was. (laughs) I I believe that they did in faith. But I'd walk down the street and you get to the end of the cul-de-sac and there's nowhere to go. And so I remember just sitting there being like, I'm not going back to my house. My family's stupid. I don't want to be there ever again. And I would just sit there. And then all of a sudden, just kind of get bored or feel like I'm, I'm missing uh, home. And I'd start wandering back home, and I'd go in the house. And I remember my mom would say, oh, be like, oh Mark, you're back so soon kind of thing. And I'm like, yeah, but I'm going to just stay in my room. I'm not coming out ever. And so I'd go into my room and slam my door. And I'm like, I'm just staying in here, but that's it. And then I'd smell dinner. So I'd open up the door, and I'd go into the kitchen. Okay, I'll come in the kitchen for dinner, but I'm going very back to my room. But that's where I'm staying. I'm not coming I'm not being part of this family. And so I'd go eat dinner, go back. Sure enough, step after step, you just end up blending back into family life. So even though my spirit wanted nothing to do with my family, there was a deep desire in me to not stray too far from home. Amen? (laughs) For many of us, this is our spiritual story, that we have seasons of wandering and that we have seasons of of feeling distant from a a home, a spiritual home. And we're going to see Jesus address this head on in this next story. Jesus is going to start talking to people, uh, t- talking to his disciples, and he's, he's dropping a bomb on them. He's like, guys, by the way, I'm leaving. And they're like, what? You're leaving? We've been, we threw everything down. I threw my profession away. I threw my family away. I've dropped everything to follow you, and now you're telling us you're leaving? And he says, but you can't follow me. There's a place that I'm going where you can't come with me. And we're going to see where he picks up this conversation. And Jesus makes really bold and powerful, powerful um, statements. But get this, his heart, Jesus' heart the entire time, is to show them a new glimpse of home. And he knows that as, as humans, for each one of us, as we wander, I believe two things, that we have very loud desires in our life and very deep desires. Sometimes we listen to the loud desires, We listen to the things that say, look at me, watch me, do me, smoke me, do this, right? We listen to the things of the flesh that are loud. But deep down inside, we're looking for something. We're looking for something to satisfy us and fulfill us and to give us this deep soul contentment for life. That's that feeling of home. When I was a kid on the street and I was trying to walk home with my little backpack full of toys because that's what you need to survive when you're seven, There is something in me that was like, you better go back there because that's where home is. That's where safety is. That's where security is. That's where your your family is. That's where love is. And I think each one of us in our own ways and our own journeys are on this process to find what home looks like. And so Jesus kind of steps on the scene and he gives us a whole new glimpse of what home might look like. So we're gonna open up, but before that, C.S. Lewis says it this way. I love this quote by him. He says, if I find myself desires which nothing in this world can satisfy, the only logical logical explanation is that I was made for another world. Amen? And I know testimonies of people in this room, and I myself have been like that, where, man, I have traveled and I have looked for stuff to satisfy that puka, that missing spot in my life, with stuff here, and it's just not working. And maybe it might be, like C.S. Lewis might be right, that maybe we're called to live in another reality that I'm not of this world and things of this world cannot satisfy me. So what will satisfy me is the big question. So we're going to open up to John 14. So John 14, Jesus, again, he's walking his disciples through this deep truth. Jesus tells them, oh, yeah, you guys are going to betray me. And they're like, what? We would never. He's like, yep, rooster's going to crow (laughs) three times. You'll betray me. Don't worry. But then right after, he's like, don't let your heart be troubled about it. (laughs) He's like, no big deal. Um, But they're like, we want to come with you. We want to be with you. We would never do that. He starts off in John 14. He says, Don't let your hearts be troubled. And this is an exhortation for all of us. When we find ourselves in wandering and we find ourselves kind of missing um, our home, our heavenly home, our spiritual home. And we have dry seasons in the faith, and it feels like God's not here and he's not with us, he's not for me. Things in my life are happening to me, and I don't understand why it's happening to me right now. He says, Don't let your heart be troubled be troubled. You believe in God. You believe in Yahweh, the creator God. Believe also in me. He says, my father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go there to prepare prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me so that you will be where I am. You know the way to the place I am going. And this is in response to... Peter who asks, wait, how do we know where you're going? <laughs> how do we know where you're going? He says, you know the way. You actually know the way. Like, how do we know the way? We don't even know where you're going. How could I possibly know the direction if you're not telling me where you're going? And I, I want to talk about home a little bit. If you're taking notes, this is the first part. I really want to hit this, home, this, this part home, <laughs> ironically. Jesus wants you to come home. Amen? Not just you, but everybody. Jesus has in John chapter 10, he has this beautiful passage where he says, the sheepfold, everyone who comes into the kingdom of God, who walks into the family of God is welcome, but they come through me. I'm the sheep gate. But he says this, he says, there's sheep outside of the pen who have not yet come in yet. And this is the calling for us as believers to recognize, hey, are there friends who are just looking for God but looking in all the wrong places? Jesus is looking for sheep, not just here in church, but out there too, that are lost and they're wandering. And we've all been in those seasons like that. But Jesus wants you home. He cares about you. He cares about your problems. He wants to be with you and walk with you through them. If we don't understand this, the rest of the gospel won't make sense because Jesus, he says it this way, the kingdom of God is a big banquet. And if people that I invite aren't coming, then anybody who wants to come to my wedding feast can come, but fill the tables. I want it to be full. This is the this is the invitation for us. God wants us with him. He said it in that last passage, I want to be with you. So then he drops this hammer, one of the biggest verses, like most well-known verses that we most of us who grew up in church, we know this. Thomas said to him, "Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way?" Jesus is like, "I am the way." <laughs> it's me. I'm the way. I'm the truth and I'm the life. No one will get to the Father except through me. And these big things, way, truth, life, they're connected. I was reading some people who study the Greek and everything. They say this. They say that um, another translation, or maybe a better translation, would be, I am the way to the truth and the life. He's showing us to something. And I want to recognize something, too. A lot of times in our Christianity, we believe that it's about the outcome, the end game. I just got to get to heaven. And for many of us who grew up thinking that, like, I just got to get there. Jesus is actually saying, I am the way, not I am at the end. I'm with you in the race. I'm not waiting for you at the finish line. (laughs) Amen? This is a reality, a spiritual reality of Christ. And he's saying, follow me because I'm going to show you a way to something beautiful. I'm going to show you the way to truth and show you the way to life. I am the way. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. Wow. From now on, you do know him and you have seen him. Jesus does this all throughout John. Me and the Father are one. I am the full revelation of the Father. So if you want to know what God is like, look at me. Watch me. Listen to me. That's God speaking because I am him. Him, I am one in him and he is one in me. And I want to say this because I felt like the Lord impressing on my heart. So many of us, and I've been in these seasons, where so many of us get stuck thinking that God the Father, the God of the Old Testament, is very different than Jesus. Amen? We believe they're separate. So the God of the Old Testament was wrathful and angry, and he did things that are confusing, and we don't understand his heart, and we feel like he's mean and he's cruel. This is lovely and amazing. Jesus is showing you. Don't get it twisted. If you're trying to figure out who the Father in heaven is, look at me. Amen? We're one and the same. Our hearts are one. Our wills are one. We're aligned. We're fully united as one God. And it might be an encouragement to you this morning because sometimes we believe that in life stuff happens to us and we blame him. We blame ourselves. Lord, did I do something wrong? And we kind of make him like the great judge in the sky who's punishing us. And if, if life isn't happening, Lord, what's wrong with me? And Jesus comes is for all that on the cross and he dies for us and covers us with grace and he's trying to show you no this is who the father has been the whole time god is not up there retributively punishing us and making us jump through loopholes and doing the rules of religion to get close to him but jesus has come and dwelt among us in the flesh and he's saying guys he's here if you want to see what god looks like look at me amen follow me follow me they're not separate gods they're they're one in the same and jesus is the full ultimate grace-filled reflection of the heavenly father so he says if you know me you'll know my father as well and we move from a place of you know in the old testament when people would come before the lord there would be this holiness about god his unapproachable light where they couldn't like you couldn't come before the lord You couldn't because his holiness is so great that you would, like, cry and fall on the ground and cry because he's just so immaculate. And you're like, Lord, who am I? (laughs) You are so great, and I am nothing. You created the universe. I'm just one person. But Jesus comes on the scene, and he says, if you really know me, you know my Father as well. Meaning, if you can approach me, you can approach the Father as well. Something changes in the life of Jesus. He changes how we relate to God. And so if you feel like God is one father, a retributive father who's punishing you for everything in your life, go to him. Like a son or a daughter and recognize you have a different access to God now because of Christ coming in the flesh. Amen? You have a different access. And this access actually grows. We see Jesus himself passes the baton in in just a few chapters, but we'll get there. But I want to say this. Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. There's a ton to say about it, but I found this old mystic, Catholic mystic from like the 1300s. And he, like he's, he, it's his reflection on this passage. His name is Thomas Kempis. And he says it this way He says, Follow me. He's speaking in first person as if he's Jesus, but he's so, the writing is so pretty. He says, Follow me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Without the way, there is no going. Without the truth, there is no knowing. Without the life, there is no living. I am the way which you must follow, the truth which you must believe, and the life by which you must hope for. I am inviolable. I don't know what that word is. I am inviolable. I am the inviolable way. Someone can define that for me later. The infallible truth, the unending life, I am the way that is straight, the supreme truth, the life that is true, the blessed truth, the uncreated life. If you abide in my way, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free, and you shall attain everlasting life. Amen? This is how the way and the truth and life come together. I love that last sentence. You will know the truth. If you follow the way, you will know the truth. And the truth will set you free, and that freedom will give you life everlasting. Jesus is the whole package deal. So when you believe in him, you don't just get head knowledge. You get an understanding of a way of life that will bring you life. For me, one of my personal testimonies growing up is I always grew up just thinking rules, 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 rules. This is what Christianity is about. And my Christianity was about that. I got to make sure I pass all the rule checks and, you know, don't like scoff at me for being like a punky kid. And then I can like, put on a good face and make sure I'm doing all the things and memorizing my scriptures and doing all the good things. And those are all great things. The problem is, I didn't realize at the time that the Bible wasn't actually meant to change your behavior and make you... Oh, thanks. Make Mic check. Hey. So the, the Bible was never just created so that you might have all the rules to sharpen your behavior to, to act how God wants you to act. There is life in the commandments of Jesus. That's what he's leading us to. And it's funny because science is now catching up to this. They're finding, like, statistics that are like, oh, you know who's the most satisfied in um, marital and sexual relationships? It's people who are married and have a commitment and, like, have, like, committed for a long-term marriage kind of thing. Like, monogamy works. And people who are most satisfied in their relationships are people married and having sex in the context of a, of a monogamous marriage. And we're like, oh, shoot, we've been preaching that way before the science came out, right? And we find, like, rest has been another big thing. People are like, oh, did you know that people actually thrive when you rest, when you don't work all the time? You're like, oh, no ways. It's crazy. We've been preaching this for 2,000 years. But it's crazy because science is now catching up in a lot of ways to stuff that we already know because there is life in the Word of God. It leads us to life. So when I come to the Scripture and I'm like, I don't like this, It doesn't fit what I want it to say. I trust that if this is God's voice, it's God's word, it's going to lead me to a greater flourishing life. Amen? So, God, that's what he's trying to get us to. He's bringing us home. He's saying, follow my ways, because when you follow my way, it's a path that leads somewhere. It's not just like, follow my way and just, you know, do your best along the way. And hopefully you'll get there at the end. It's like, no, follow my commandments, and you're going to find truth in the way, and then you're going to find life in the way. And that only happens through the indwelling Holy Spirit, and he's going to get there. But John in 14, moving on, John 14, well, let me stop and say this too. I'm going to go to the whiteboard. Is that cool? One of the things we do with wrong with truth is um, we make truth here. When Jesus says, "I am the truth." we say, "Oh, Jesus means that uh, whatever he says goes, and whatever the Bible's principles are, that's true, and this is very true. And so we think that oh my understanding of my faith relationship with Jesus means I just gotta have the, the biblical worldview, and that is truth. It's part of it. But I think, hear me out, there's a way of truth that is bigger than just our head knowledge. So, in um, the fancy words, are this you guys can say orthodoxy. Everyone say it with me orthodoxy. Cool. Orthodoxy is um, right thinking. This is a cool whiteboard, yeah? So, it's right thinking. So many of us stay here, and when Jesus says he's the truth, we got to make sure we have the good good orthodoxy. We have the right thinking, and this is important. But then we recognize, well, the Bible says this. Blessed is the one who not just knows the word, but who does the word. So then we have this thing. Everyone say orthopraxy. (laughs) Everyone say it with me. This is very fancy Christian language. You guys are going like, Tier two in heaven, if you know these words, I'm telling you. And this is right living. This is right living. So I'm orthodox in my thinking. I'm orthodox in my living. And for even most of us, we've stopped here. We have Descartes' mentality. I think, therefore, I am. If I have the right thinking, it'll lead me into the right living. But how many of you guys have met someone who believes in Jesus but acts hypocritical? You don't have to point fingers, but you can raise your hand if that's been a reality. Thank you. Come on. You guys have never met a hypocritical Christian in your life? Wow. You guys are incredible. This is like the most blessed church I have ever been a part of. No, but for real, there's a disconnect here because we say, oh, the truth is if I have the right thinking. Then we start saying, well, if it's not leading to right living, is it even fully the truth? And so we have this disconnect between thinking and doing where people, we can have all the right answers, but not do the right living. Jesus tells the Pharisees this. He says, you guys, search the scriptures for eternal life, but you're not finding it. Why does he say that? He says, you think that just right thinking is going to save you, but it's not going to save you. He says, I am <laughs> the way and the truth and the life. Eternal life is found in me. So, them, this, is the, this dichotomy of... Got to think right, do right. Think right, do right. It sounds like a Pharisee, doesn't it? I got to know the scripture and I got to do the right thing. Know the scripture, do the right thing. There's something we've been missing and this is called, say it with me, something that we've been missing in the middle for a long time. It's called orthopathy. Everyone say orthopathy. This is right being. This is what Christ is calling us to. I don't just think the truth. I know the Bible, and so I know what's true. I believe in Christ with my mind, and then I just start doing stuff. It's the right thinking. I'm transformed by the renewing of my mind. That means he changes my every being. My like entire epistemology like absolutely changes because in Christ, he makes me more like him. And I start becoming a person of love and I start becoming more patient and more kind and more gentle and so forth and so on. So there's this, if I believe this, I have to allow him to change me into the right type of person. Amen? And out of that flows right living. Because he has changed me, I'm going to serve well. Because he's changed me, I'm going to give well. I'm going to be generous. Does that make sense? So, but if we miss this step, we miss the gospel. Because he changes us and he transforms us. And if we don't understand that God is calling us to a right way of being, we're we're gonna be doing the right living out of religious duty, to be honest. We have to go through the process. Lord, change my thinking. Help me to know the truth as scripture gives me the truth. But also, this is the question what is truth? All of this is truth. Francis Chan spoke at the hymn conference, and he gave us a super convicting word. He said this. He said, and if you guys know Francis Chan, that's what he does. He convicts the heart of the man. So he, he was saying, he said, I've been watching some of my old sermons. And he says, I've been, I realized, looking back, that I was preaching the right thing. But I was preaching the right thing, the right truth, the right doctrine, but it was coming out of the wrong heart. And so he said this, if you preach grace... But in your heart, you still feel like you're trying to earn God's love. You're really still a heretic. And this is the calling for all of us. And this is what Matthew 5 is all about. Is that your sin life, your connection to Jesus is deeply connected to right being. Your right heart. Has your heart been shaped? Has your heart been moved? Because if we make it about thinking and doing and thinking and doing, the thing that Jesus is going after the most gets forgotten. That's our heart. This is what he's after. He's after our hearts. So, truth is when Jesus says, I am the truth, he's not just saying, everything I say goes. Everything you read in scripture, that's what's truth, and don't receive anything else. He's saying, I am the true way to think, I am the true way to be, and I am the true way to live. It's all of the above. So, to walk into truth is not to get into debates and say, Well, I know all the doctrines. Let us have this debate, and I know the scripture. It's to say, no, I've been changed. And because I know God and He's changed me, now I'm gonna live differently. And so we'll leave that. But remember, truth is not just here. Truth is an all-encompassing thing. And and here's number two in your notes if you're taking us notes: is um oh sorry, before that, we'll go to John 14. He does lead us home. Jo- um, John 14, verse 8, he says, Philip said, Lord, show us the Father. That will be enough for us. I love that Philip says this. It's like the most dolty thing he can say. Jesus just, just said, If you see me, you see the Father. And he's like, Oh, oh yeah, can you show us the Father? What did I just tell you, Philip? I, just look at me. Look at, show us the Father. That will be enough. Just give me a glimpse of God and that will be enough. Don't. You know me, Philip, even after I've been among you for such a long time? You've seen miracles. I raised a dude from the dead. I've fed thousands of people with a loaf and a fish. Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, us, say show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? This is what Jesus, Jesus is leading us home. That's what he's doing. If we miss the way of Jesus, following his footsteps, not just believing in our minds, but following, becoming a person of love as Christ has called us to, and walking that out, we're going to miss where he's actually trying to lead us. And another way to say that too is this, there's a higher calling for each one of us. And the Bible's full of this. That if we follow, if we trust Jesus enough, and we follow him with everything we have, that there's a higher calling, a higher purpose. There's an experience that many of us grew up in the church maybe, and we're like, is this it? It's never it when Jesus is your Lord. There's always something more. There's always something. He's the God of newness. He will always lead you somewhere to where you're not expecting, but it's going to give you life. It's going to unveil a truthful living, living in the truth, being transformed by Jesus and walking it out. So Jesus leads us home. He doesn't just tell us where it is. He says, come with me. And I'll show you the way. So the passage goes on. He says this. The words I say to you, do not, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and he is in me. There it is again. Or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. I don't know about you. One of the hardest things I have experienced in my faith is that last line. Believe me when I say that I'm, the fa- I'm in the Father and he's in me. Okay, I can believe that, Jesus. Or at least believe the evidence of the works you've seen themselves. Are my miracles not enough? Um, we sometimes get caught up in miracles, like not in a sense where like we hear about them all the time and it kind rolls of rolls out of our mind. Oh, that's cool. Oh, someone was miraculously healed? Sweet. Guys, someone was miraculously healed, right? This should build the faith. But sometimes we've grown so numb to what Christ is actually trying to lead us into and show us. Like, do you have faith because of what you've seen? Amen? If you've seen the power of God at work, that should be like, oh my gosh, God and the Father are one. (laughs) That should lead me deep into faith. And there's stuff I've seen where people have been healed and crazy stuff has happened and I can't explain it. All I can do is be like, I get it. We had prayer circle this morning and somebody shared, I prayed over a girl of cancer And it just disappeared. We can't explain these things. So come on, like this is the power of God at work in us. And it happens when we live a truthful life that is not just our right thinking, but it also right living and right being. Jesus continues to say this. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I have been doing. And they will even do greater things than these. Because I'm going to the Father. I'm leaving you. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. This is a crazy verse. I think it's so crazy. He says, this is a promise. Jesus kind of is shepherding his people with this promise. He's like, hey, I'm leaving. But if you believe in me and the works that I've been doing, if you have trust in the miracles that you have seen, you're going to do even greater things than these. Greater than raising someone from the dead? And quick side note, by greater, he means quantitatively greater, not qualitatively. How can you do something better than Jesus did by raising someone from the dead, right? The idea is that he's only one man. When I'm leaving, I'm going to empower you guys to do many more than I can do by myself. This is what Jesus is saying. So the kuleana for the Christian community, for the church is to walk this out. Hey, I've left, but I'm going to give you everything you need to keep doing the work and keep building the faith of people. So when whatever you ask in my name, I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Don't read this as like, I have like this, I don't know, like genie in a bottle thing. Like I can just ask Jesus for anything and whatever, he says it right here, I can just get whatever I ask for, right? If I have faith. He's saying, if you're aligned, if you're believing in faith in the miracles, your heart is going to ask for something that's gonna deliver more miracles. It's gonna bring, build more faith. If you're in that way, walking in the way of Jesus, he will answer that prayer. I believe it. He will say, you need something for the mission of God, for the kingdom to expand, here you go. Because God is counting on us He doesn't need us, but he counts on us to do the work of the healing, the miracles, the reconciliation, the forgiveness that he did while he was on earth, but he's now left in our hands. And so Jesus is leaving, telling them, you guys, I have everything you need to make this happen. So 14 says this, you may ask for anything in my name, and I will do it. (laughs) Amen. We have not because we ask not. I wonder how many more miracles we would experience if we actually asked him for it. Amen? Part of the faith, and if you guys know Pastor Jonah, I can only hear this in his voice. Bro, we suck at receiving, you guys. We suck at asking. God is not just a guy who's just like waiting, like, okay, I'll give you this, give you this. He's waiting for us to ask for stuff. And when he does give us stuff, sometimes we look at it and we're like, oh, no, God, no, thank you. Everything... Some of the greatest commandments in scriptures start with the word receive. It's a command to receive the Holy Spirit. Amen? Not like, oh, if you're interested, he's available. Just call this number and we'll send you the Holy Spirit. He says, no, Christian, believer, those who have faith in Jesus, receive him. Amen? Receive the fruit of the Spirit. Receive the great gifts of God. But receive them. There has to be an openness in your heart and a hunger to see God move if we're going to receive those things well. Amen? Amen? That's where receiving comes from. You ever met somebody, and this is Hawaii, like someone bring omiyagi to your house. Like, oh, hi, auntie, they bring flowers or something like that. And it's kind of like, oh, no, 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 you don't, no, no, no. We get that spirit in us, yeah? That's like, oh, no, I can't accept that. That's too generous, and that's too, you know, this can't. it's like this false humility. I think, I wonder if we do that with God sometimes, where he wants to lavish his gifts upon us. He wants to bless us and give to us things that we need to live a flourishing life on earth. But we're like, no, 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 God, I'm good. <laughs> I'm good here. I got all I need. And that's the spirit of self-reliance. That God is saying, I don't want anything to do with that. I want you to want me. I want you to need me. And I want us to be a co-laborer in the Bible's language. I want to labor with you. So we have to receive, if he's the giver of good gifts, like, oh. So you know, you know like Christmas, right? How many parents, it's more exciting to see your kids receive the gifts you've given them than it is to receive yourself. Like Meg's asked me all the time, like, what do you want for Christmas? Like, I don't know. Just go to Home Depot and pick something, right? I don't care what I get. I'm thinking, like, oh, I'm going to give this to Esther. She's going to open it. She's going to be so stoked that she's going to be like, ah, I'm dead. And our connection's going to grow, and she's going to love me, and I'm going to be her favorite parent. And she's going to only listen to me and tell me the secrets. And um, she's going to snitch on her mom instead of snitching on me. And this is going to be the dream, right? But there's so much life in giving. And and there's so much life in receiving. God is the Father who wants to give you some stuff. (laughs) Good stuff. He wants, some of us think, like, we have to jump through hoops for healing. And like, God, do I have to get my life straight before I can start ask for some physical healing in my life? Maybe you have not because you ask not. Ask in faith. Pray in boldness. Say, Lord, I have life on this earth. I have breath in my lungs. My body is hindering me from the work you've called me to. God, heal this for your name's sake. Not for me, for your kingdom's sake. Pray a bold prayer. Ask him for that. He's a, good, a God who gives good gifts. He takes joy in giving us gifts. Amen? Okay, you guys with me? All right. So this is where it gets awesome. And this is something kind of popped out. I never noticed this before. John, he moves on. This is kind of how he closes. He says, if you love me, keep my commands. Again, Jesus isn't saying, I'm watching you, I'm keeping a record of all the good things you do and the bad things you do, and if you do too many bad things, you're in big trouble. He's saying, he just said, I'm the way and the truth of life. If you love me, keep my commands, because I'm trying to lead you to life, (laughs) right? And so many of us, we fail, we stumble upon the road of life, and things come, and temptations come, and that's real, and there's grace for it but so many of us forget the end of the tunnel vision is that there's something good for me. Obedience leads me to life. Amen? It doesn't just lead me into my own self-righteousness, my own sense of holiness. It leads me to a flourishing life where I have peace and contentment and I am one with the Lord and my connection with Him feels strong and I can trust in Him. This is where obedience leads us. So, but... He says this, if you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, he's like playing middleman, I'll go talk to the big man upstairs, and he's going to give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of Truth. The only time the Holy Spirit is ever called the Spirit of Truth is in John's gospel, and the book of 1 John as well, but John's epistles. Interesting. Interesting. John is really the only person who ever calls the Holy Spirit the Spirit of truth. Why? Because he's the Spirit who changes us from our thinking to our being to our behavior. He's part of the whole process. So God is saying that not just the Holy Spirit, he's not just trying to, you know, we don't just define him as being holy. He is. We define him as being the one who leads us into life flourishing, the one who empowers us to live out the way of Jesus. Jesus. He's the spirit of truth. Jesus is the truth, and he's giving us the spirit of truth to lead us in the way of Jesus. Does that make sense? So he is the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives within you and will be in you. What? So remember, Jesus said, I'm building a mansion in my father's home, and I'm going to take you guys there. I'm going to go get it ready for you, and one day I'm going to come back, and I'm going to bring you there. He says, I'm building for you a home that's not of this world. But then he kind of switches gears and he says, oh, actually, you know what? I'm actually going to bring that home to your world. So not only am I bringing you home, I'm going to make you my home. This is the third point in the notes. Jesus makes us his home. I'm going to live in you. He lives within you and will be inside of you. He says this, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Jesus doesn't leave us in orphanhood. That you guys, he doesn't leave me out on the cul de sac by myself, wondering what's next in life with my toy full of backpacks. He draws you back home. He says, "There's life here. Come home." Like the the dad and the prodigal son. Son, come home. Be here. Be with me. And I just want to encourage you too that this is the if you if you feel the tug to come home. For many of us, we leave church for a long time, and God's like, "You got to get back to community. You got to get back to church." That's not your own conscious speaking. That's the Holy Spirit bringing you home. I believe that. That the Lord is actually calling you into community where you'll find life, you'll find higher purpose, and you'll find community that will love you and accept you where you're at and pour grace over you, with some exceptions. Just don't talk to Pastor Rick. I'm just kidding. He's great. He's very gracious. But that's the goal. That's the goal of Christian community. But he lives in you, and he will be with you. So... This is what life looks like. We're going to finish this. Last one is John 14, and he ends in verse 29. He says this. Here's why I'm telling you this. Here's what Jesus wants us to know. I'm telling you these things before they happen so that when they do happen, you will believe. Jesus is telling his disciples, I'm leaving. When the Holy Spirit comes, make sure you realize I told you about this, and so this is coming from me. I don't have much more time to talk to you because the ruler of this world approaches. The prince of this world, Satan himself, is gonna start ruling in a different way. But he says this he has no power over me. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. And remember, Jesus hasn't gone to the cross yet, but he's predicting this dude ain't nothing on me, but he is. You're gonna see him and you're gonna feel the temptations. You're gonna feel tragedies in life and wonder what's going on, right? You're gonna feel the depths of pain and sorrow and anxiety because you live in this world, but he has not overcome me. So if you follow my way, even among the storm, you'll find life. Even when you get worried that I'm sleeping in your storm, you feel like I'm sleeping in the boat of the storm that you find yourself in. He's like, have faith in me because I can overcome the storm. So this is the hope we have in Jesus. The hope we have in Jesus is that no matter what life throws at us, It has no power over him. And the spirit of truth lives inside of me. God has made his home in you and I. And if he's dwelling inside of us, what can be against us? Amen? So this is the reality that we're living in. He has no power over me. But I will do what the Father requires of me so that the world will know that I love the Father. And here's Jesus saying, I'm out. I'm going to go to the cross without saying it bluntly. But he's like, I got to go. There's something I got to do. But trust me, there's a power waiting for you. The spirit of truth, the same spirit, I am the truth. And that same spirit that's in me is going to be in you. And he's going to make his home among you. And so I really want to just hit this on the home because I've heard this verse so many times. Jesus say, I'm the way and the truth and the life. But very seldom have I read the whole passage where Jesus is saying, to follow me well, you need the Holy Spirit. Amen? And for many of us, the spirit is in there, but he needs a stirring. We hear his voice sometimes; he's leading us in directions, but we just we feel like life just gets overwhelming. So, what I want to do this morning is just kind of close, and worship team can come up, but just kind of close and just um, ask for a new wind of the Holy Spirit, and just practice what would it look like for the Spirit to invade your life this week in a new way—to hear his voice, to receive his power. And just to be like, Lord, I'm going to follow your way. And apparently, I can't do that unless the Spirit of truth is living in me. (laughs) Amen? This is what Scripture is telling us. So let's stand together, and we're going to bow our heads. And if you're like me, for, for many of us, we grew up praying to the Father. We pray to Jesus, but we don't actually pray to the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit is an equal part of the Trinity. He is God. And so we're just going to pray to Him this morning. I pray that your hearts would just be open to receive. Amen? Like a kid on Christmas morning. Just be like, Lord, whatever you have for me, let's go. Jesus, Holy Spirit, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you, Jesus, that your spirit dwells within us, that we don't have to do this life on our own power. Jesus, we repent for ways by which we've been trying to do things on our own strength. In the burden you've put that we put on ourselves because what you're ought to do in our life, we're trying to do on our own. Jesus, we release that burden to you. Father, I just pray that you would just depart your, not depart, deposit your Holy Spirit here this morning. Father, right now, just speak words of encouragement to those who need it. Father, for those who need a word of wisdom, a word of knowledge, a word of understanding where you are right now, God, would you breathe that in them? And church, if you're filled with the Spirit and you know it and you feel God calling you to speak over someone, go speak over someone. Paul says it this way. He says that if there's any gift to not neglect, don't neglect prophesying. Because that's God's direct connection to people in their hearts. But Holy Spirit, we're just wanting more of you. God, where you're leading us, we want to know. And what we can know, Lord, we want to be obedient. And what we can't know, we want to be faithful. So God, help us to trust where we cannot see. Spirit of truth, guide us where our thinking is wrong. Help us to know where we've been deceived, where we're believing lies. Clear that air for us, Lord, so that we might see your calling for us in a greater way. Jesus, help us to turn our our mind from temptations and deceits, things of the world that are thrown at us that are not of you, that aren't the truth the things that look so tempting and tantalizing would actually lead us into deeper despair. We pray, God, for those of us in this room that are just confused. They don't know what life is about and stuff, hard stuff is coming and they just felt like they need to be in your presence. Jesus, be there present with them right now. We pray, Holy Spirit, just come over them. Encourage their hearts, be in their minds, be in their spirits. But Spirit, we trust you Spirit of truth to lead us into the way of Christ, to lead us in the way of sacrifice, to lead us in the the way of love. Jesus, we just pray this morning that we would be that people, a type of people that are so full of love and compassion for one another. Father, help us to get out of our own minds and help us to come out of our own (laughs) self-reflectiveness where everything revolves around us. Jesus, help us to see the person next to us and love them well. Help us to love our enemies as you've asked us to love. Help us to walk in forgiveness and forgive others as you've greatly forgiven us. Help us, Jesus, to sit at your table with open arms and open hearts to receive. Keep us, Lord, from the idolatry of our own self, our own preferences. God, I pray for just a deeper understanding and a deeper wisdom of who you are revealed to us, manifested through the Spirit in our lives. Jesus, we know you're working in this world right now and you're working in our lives. You're rebuilding families, you're healing bodies because that's what you do. And so Jesus, we just pray right now that there would just be a deeper, clearer vision of you doing that and a deeper trust in what you are doing father help us not to think that you have left us now help us not to have the orphan mindset that you've abandoned us and you've left us and we're stranded on our own jesus thank you the good shepherd that you're with us in the mess you're with us on the way and you're leading us to life so jesus may we pursue you with everything we have god make this not about us make it about giving pouring your life through us so that we might show your life to others god we love you we trust you holy spirit have your way Jesus. Lord, we love you. It's because we love you we pray and we gather here this beautiful morning. But Jesus, we love you. We honor you. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Let's worship together.
0: For out
1: Amen. I just want to really quickly open it up. Does anybody just have a praise? There's something God's been doing in your life and you just want to testify this morning. We're a family. And so anything that God is going on or even a prayer request, they're like, hey, can you guys cover me? Um, This is what the family is for. And so it's great that we can come and share the word and worship together. But if this is a up here thing, but not down here thing, then we're missing it. Yeah. Is anybody? Yeah, come on up. This is Maribel, everybody.
2: Well, I just want to ask for your prayers because Edwin is thinking and joining the airports, and I'm not ready. And he's not here, it's actually perfect.
1: We'll pray for that. If you guys know Edwin, he's thinking about the military and we have a mom. (laughs) We have a mom with such a big love uh, for her son, and so we'll pray for that, for the discerning and the growing for both of you guys, for sure. Jesus, we just pray for Edwin right now. We pray, Lord, he's not here. He's diving on Moloka'i. God, give him one big fish today. Um, No, but Lord, I pray that you would just guide him and lead him in your path, whatever is true, and I pray for Mariba, Lord, that she's been loving and just growing uh, in just this deep resonance with her son over all these years. And Father, I pray that you would speak to her clearly on what, what being a loving mom will look like in this season. But Holy Spirit, we give it to you because you're the one who leads us in the path of life. And so, Jesus, I pray for just obedience for that whole family, for Edwin, for his mom. And I got just a deep understanding, a deep connection to hear your voice. So, Lord, bless both of them. I pray this next season would be fruitful for both of them. But we love you and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Is there anybody else just want to share? Yeah, come on.
2: I just want to say a a prayer of thanksgiving because um, I've always been that type. You know, you come, you serve at church and no one really needs to know the challenges you're going through. You know, you kind of keep them to yourself. But I just want to say a thanks, a prayer of thanksgiving because I was able to grieve with my um, church family over my dad's passing. So I really just was able to just cry out to Jesus, and all my church family was here to help and love on me. So just thank you so much, and just a prayer of thanksgiving.
1: Oh, Lord, thank you for Victor, Uncle Victor. Many of us never got to meet him, but we thank you for the the woman of God that he raised in, in Myra, And the beautiful family you've stirred up with all of the Baines. Thank you, Lord, for this family that we get to grieve with, we get to celebrate with. Uh, But Jesus, we just thank you for um, this heart of release for her to grieve. Uh, Jesus, pray blessings over the families that continue to mourn that loss of dad, of grandpa. Jesus, we just thank you that he's in a better place. He's with you now. We love you, Lord. Thank you. Amen. Amen. Anybody else? Yeah, come on.
3: I have a, I grew up with one sister. Um, I have a half brother that I've never met. He's 10 years older than me. And I've always wanted to meet him. He's from my father's first marriage. And I've always wanted to have him in my life. And on Thursday, (laughs) my sister texted me to call her right away. And through social media, someone reached out to her and also to me a year ago. And I I didn't know who it was, and I I don't trust everybody. And um I called my sister and she said, pull this name up. And I said, I know that name. She reached out to me. And she said, look up on the photos. Look on photo 10. And I pulled it up, and there was a man sitting on a bench with a little girl who looked just like my dad. And I said, OK. And She said, look at the one comment. And it said, somebody posted, look at Bucky with his buddy. And I said, "Who is Bucky?" And she said, "That's our brother's nickname." And he looks just like my dad. So please pray for me and my sister and my brother. Through there's a lot of history, and lies that were told to him, and I truly feel that my brother wants to meet us. And I don't know him, but I love him so much. My dad is not here with us anymore. And I'm just shaking and vibrating right now. I feel sadness for my dad and my brother because they missed out on each other. My father was the most amazing man in this world the most amazing father in this world. (laughs) And my brother missed out because of lies that he was told, and I want to share with him. So please pray for my brother Curtis, me and my sister Liz, and our families to reunite. He lives in San Diego. (laughs) Just please
1: pray for us. Lord, we just cover um, Paula, her sister, her brother. Lord, we know that you are the God of shalom, that when things are broken, that what God puts together may no man separate. And we pray, God, for this magnetic force of your love to pull back together what has been separated. We pray for forgiveness, Lord, where forgiveness is needed. We pray for God, just a laying down of pride, a laying down of um, frustration, and God, just open arms, open hearts, grace and mercy poured out through Paula, through her sister. God, I pray for a receptive heart for Bucky, for Curtis, Lord, to want um, to be with his sisters. And George, Jesus, whatever is this blockage is getting in the way, God, we pray, Father, for a beautiful testimony of restoration in the family. We pray for that, Lord. And we ask you in faith, because you're going to do a work in other families because of what you're going to do in this family. And so Jesus, for your kingdom's sake, we ask you, Lord, to receive this gift of love and reconciliation back with Paula and her siblings. But God, I pray that you would give Paula visions, give her wisdom, uh, give her discernment, and Lord, just help her to just be everything packaged well with a really great sense of love. So Lord, may the love shine through. Uh, Lord, we just are expectant that you're going to do work in this family. Lord, we just keep covering them, their family, and their prayers. Lord, help Sivan and and Teva too, Lord, just to be there to support and do whatever they, they need to do, Lord, to be behind the reconciliation of the family. We love you, Jesus. So we ask these things in your name. Amen. 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 Thank you, Paula. We won't keep you forever, I promise, but I just want to know if there's one or two more who might want to come share. Yeah, come. Hi, Trish.
4: Hi. Hi. I just wanted to share with you guys, based on our sermon today, that um, I've gone to church since I was a baby, and... I followed all the rules, and I, it was Southern Baptist Church in Ohio. Everybody wore tuxedos and purple uh, robes. Um, I just, it took me 50 some years now to figure out what God wanted me to do um, and finally listen and understand what's on the board there, um, what my job is. And it's to witness to others and bring as many people to the Lord before this crazy world ends. And I, I just want Jesus to flow through my my life. I want people to see it work, the Lord's joy and light. Um, that's my goal. Every day I pray for that now, and I finally come to see it. It's taken me so many years of struggling and trying to figure out my purpose here in this world. But I thank this church, too. This is Paula. The Leonis have brought me here. And... I thank God for it every day. So thank you.
1: Can we pray for you, Trish? Lord, we thank you for this revelation for Trish. We thank you, Lord, that she got it so quickly. (laughs) That she has so much time left. And Father, there's so many relationships. There are so many opportunities for her to witness and to be loved. God, we pray that you would fill her tank. God, give her the vision for those opportunities when they arise. To just be like, hey, let me tell you about the one I serve. Let me tell you about the one who's changed my life. And so, Lord, we just pray for a, um, a God, a, a, an immaculate sense of transformation in her, that she would know deeply that she is a daughter of you, uh, that she has been changed, she is no longer in darkness, but she's been called to light, that she has been saved, that she's been called holy, she's under your righteousness. And so, Lord, in that, that she can witness the love of the God who flows through her, And so, God, I pray that this would just be so natural for her in her conversation, so life-giving for her. We thank you, God, for Trisha's heart to make it not about herself, to make it about you and your kingdom come. Lord, we love you. Bless her, Lord. Uh, We just pray for a blessing over this ministry. This is what ministry really is. We pray a blessing over this ministry that is about to come uh, in her workplace, in her family. Jesus, thank you for her beautiful family, the witness that you're brewing in them. And God, we just pray you're covering over her life. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Trish. So good, bro. Hanahol, <laughs> don't worry. There's super good food, so you guys are so you guys are building that hunger. But Ed, all right, bro. Um, just on the
2: healing. Uh, I like numbers, um, so. Uh, when they said, add 50% chance of living. That was a tough one to swallow. Um, So very thankful and grateful for uh, the opportunity to still be here. Uh, Just because it's a big number, 50% of uh, that chance of living. So... Um, puts things into perspective, uh, a lot more gratitude um, but another chance to um, make a difference so um, I think uh, there 's a lot of things that we do um, in life that we take for granted um, in many different ways. I think um, uh, one big things are relationships that we take for granted. Um, But um, in this season of healing and everything else, um, you know, a lot of these relationships really came a lot more to life. And uh, just to have people in your corner to make it through, uh, it really makes the process a whole lot easier and be able to um, really be able to see what your purpose here is. Um, But I'm healed. I'm Basically, I um, think I'm better than 100% now, so I'm just uh, really um, excited to see what's next, um, what's the, what he has planned. Um, as I know, he, he's already worked in so many different ways to um, make things possible in my life, yeah. you know, from the beginning, to really overcome things that are um, definitely not of my own strength. So... Um, I know he has a lot more planned for it. But just thank you guys who were there to pray and be in the corner. So really love you guys.
1: Come on. Wow. Look, you, wanna, you have a word? No? Are you sure? Okay. <laughs> if you get one, let me know. We're going to pray for Ed. If you didn't know, Ed just had a, a really major surgery. And like he said, doctors gave him 50%. But here's what's so great is even when the world's like, even if they gave him 20% chance, I would take the 20% chance with the Holy Spirit inside of your heart, then 100% without it. <laughs> Amen. And uh, Ed's been faithful. Ed's been growing. And I'm, we're excited to see what, what change God is doing because he's totally getting your attention. We sense that, bro. And, it's, oh. and Ed is a guy, he's a high-impact guy anyway. The community knows him. But I feel like it's just the beginning of what God is doing in his life. So let's pray for that. Jesus, thank you for Ed. Thank you that he's here. Thank you that you have willed him, you have strengthened him, that you have blessed him with every spiritual blessing in the spiritual in the heavenly places. We thank you that every good gift in his life comes from you. We thank you that he's realizing that, Lord. We thank you that Ed, who is such a striver, he's such an achiever, and he's gifted in leadership and courage, Father, that he, you're pulling him close to yourself. We sense that, Lord, and we just thank you for that. And Lord, I just pray for these relationships around him, God, as, as, as Ed said himself, that there would just be not a granted taken um, for every single person in his life, uh, for his son, for Dez, uh, for Riley, and for, for Sivan, and everybody in his workplace, and everybody who knows him. Uh, Jesus, I pray that you'd give him a new fire for life, a new passion, uh, Father, that he is a, in a way, a resurrected man, that he has been Put to death, an illness that he had, and he's been raised to new life. And so, Jesus, would your new life flow in his heart? Would it flow out of him? Lord, would he just be not so shy about his faith. May he be more bold than he was before. God, I pray that this would be a season, this would be a turning point in Ed's season right now, a pivot point, Lord, that you're directing him back into the way, the way of Christ, into a life of obedience. And Lord, we know there's life there. So, God, thank you for this. Thank you for this opportunity. Father, for him to walk through healing and to see this miraculous turn of events come before his eyes. Jesus, I pray for their whole family. Uh, God, that they would find a new rhythm. Lord, that the rhythms of old aren't going to do anymore. Um, that new, new relationship, communication. Uh, Father, that there would just be new ways, new dynamics of doing things as a family. And Father, in his workplace, that he would have new visions and new ideas of ways that he can impact that are spiritual that they aren't just about numbers, but they're actually about hearts and souls of people. So Jesus, give him, we know you give him vision. Lord, narrow his vision to the things that matter most. God, give him the courage and the the fight in his spirit to pursue those things. We love you, Jesus. We thank you for Ed. We pray this in your name. Amen. 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 So here's what we're going to do. We're going to dismiss because there is food and we're hungry. If you want to stay and be prayed. We will stay right here. Worship team, ourselves, we will stay here. But um, I'll pray a blessing for us to close. And if you want to come and be prayed over, we would love to pray over you. But everyone else, be blessed and have a great day. Jesus, we thank you so much for this time together. We thank you, God, for the body of Christ at work. God, we thank you, Lord, that you are you're stirring us into a deeper sense of community. God, give us the, the courage and the passion to ask where we need help, to rely on you, and to give up our own ways Jesus, we thank you that you've given us the truth. You've given us the way. And that we know that there's life in it. And not life to come, but life right now. And Jesus, we thank you for the life that you're stirring in your church right now. Jesus, give all of us a fresh breath of your wind. As Kainoa said earlier, Lord, this ruach, this pneuma, this wind, this breath that fills our lungs and gives us vitality to live. Jesus, make this be... um, Let us not waste any heartbeat that you've given us, Lord. May we maximize it to be the people of love and compassion and generosity that you've called us to. Help us to step in faith and live in that adventure. Help us to avoid comfort and safety. Help us to take that step, that next step, whatever it may be, Lord, lead us there. We love you. We pray these things in your name. All God's people said, amen.